listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, everybody. My name is Sue Nelson, and for the next half hour or so, we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. And I'm joined by my lovely fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Hi there, Ollie. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, good, good. You've been dying to tell me some celebrity news. This oh, morning. yeah. So, um, I, well, it's a sort of terrifying moment. So we... I did a live cook along with Yotam Otolenghi on Monday. Oh, I saw your um, saw your uh, emails and tweets saying you know, yeah. tuned along, but I didn't. So actually. much fun! I mean, although really? it's slightly intimidating, it's like, okay, Yotam, come to our office. We're just going to cook a quick dish together live on. He Facebook. came to your office. That came to our tidy office. third floor place. It, lo- in the it back looked of nowhere. amazing when he turned up. And to be fair, his office, the test kitchen, which is his um, test studio, is is under the arches. Um, in uh, in Camden, so he came along and he cooked an amazing chili chicken dish with uh, tahini, and it was he's just the nicest guy. He's just the nicest guy, and he's such a successful cookbook writer, and he he's done so much I think to change the set, the face mm. of, of British food. It's the freshness of it that I really like. Somehow it just feels very vibrant and fresh and complicated but simple at the same time in terms of flavours. His food, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. The new book is he's launched is called Simple. And the hilarious bit at the back is the 10 ingredients you're supposed to have in your kitchen. And I went through them <laughs> last night with another. And, you know, there were certain times <laughs> I'm like, yep, nope, nope, nope. But, you know, I think I had seven out of ten. That's not uh, bad. It's not bad. But, but you know, that, this is simple cooking. But it's, um, it's a great book. I couldn't recommend it enough. I mean, mm, it's really... Might have a uh, look that out, actually. Yeah. So we've got uh, three lovely guests in the studio today. We have Holly Shackleton, who is editor of Speciality Food Magazine, who's been on the programme before. Hi, Holly. Hello. You look a little bit you look a bit rushed this morning. You just um, run here with no breakfast and everything, haven't you? Thank you for pointing that out, Sue. Yeah. So, yes, I came from <laughs> Suffolk this morning via Mayfair. And just um, arrived in time. And just arrived in time. Mm. So I'm very happy to be here, but very hungry. Are you? Well, luckily for you, we're joined by Liz Baker of Tip Tree. Hi, Liz. Hi there. And she's bought loads of lovely stuff for you to taste, by the looks of it. I have. And also Scott Davis of Hilltop Hilltop Honey. And uh, I was just saying uh, to Scott earlier, in honour of him, because I always buy Hilltop Honey, um, I had Hilltop Honey and Marmite on toast this morning. Lovely combination. That's a strange one. That's the first I've heard of it. Is it? Yeah. But you, you quite like peanut butter and peanut Hilltop. Peanut butter and honey, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Sometimes I do do that. I, I, I like pip and nuts, so sometimes yeah. I do a bit of pip and nuts and Hilltop honey yeah. on the toast. Honey, nut, butter and porridge, the way forward for breakfast. That's a good one. That's a good one. So um, let's uh, let's start off with you, um, Liz. Now, um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused between Tip Tree and, um, you know, the sort of brand that you've got, which is... Which is um, God, it's gone straight out of my head. Wilkin and Sons. Wilkin and Sons. Good, good yeah, question. So, you, so, so this lovely, it's it's very um, traditional. It's very, very familiar visually, I think, when I go into into any sort of retail environment. And, of course, it's always got Wilkin and Sons, uh, you know, in an arch on the top. And then it's got Tip, tip Tree. Yes. Why are there two sort of brands? The the company name is Wilkin and Sons and the, the brand name is Tip Tree. Oh, so okay. people people call us both. We answer to both. Wilkin's Jam, Tip Tree Jam. Right. But, um, the, yes, the... the the company name is Wilkinson's. The brand is Tip Tree. It's a very visual brand, as you said. Yeah, Often people, that when we're at a show, they they look at the brand and they they if we've launched something in a new adjacent category, which I'll tell you about in a bit, mm. which is not jam. They they look at it and they they recognise that oval. Mm. There's yeah, and yeah, the the oval is 
very um, very set in stone. It hasn't changed much really over distinct. the years. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's very official. Really um, and, and just tell us a little bit about the history, um, because I know you're not far from uh, from Holly's office, actually. Are you? No, just just up the road. Essex. We're we're in sunny Essex. So Tiptree is a, is a village. Um, uh, relatively near Colchester. We, the Walken family have been farming there for many years, um, since 18, sorry, farming since 1757, but preserving since 1885. So for 133 years, we've been making jam and marmalade. Um, and we've, we've added to that, we still make jam and marmalade in very much the same traditional methods, but we also make some new new products. Hmm. And in my, um, in my lovely research here, uh, you've been fruit farming in Tiptree, yes. growing the fruit, taking it by horse and cart yes. to the nearby railway station and from there on to London for sale at the markets. Uh, and you literally use tons and tons and tons of fruit every yes. single year. Um, the farm I know has faced a few challenges down the years. So, so in the two world wars, you were literally left devastated with, with, with a lack of staff and, and bomb damage and all sorts of stuff. Yes. And of course, then after the war, there was rationing right. and sugar was a real sort of uh, luxury good that, that, that was difficult to obtain. I would yes. imagine that, that affected sales immensely. It did. We, we've yeah, been through, through many tough times throughout the years. But they yes, throughout the years, they, they managed to um, keep to the recipe. Obviously, we need a lot of sugar for jam. So they managed to still keep making the, the jam. And actually, we sent some to the, to the front line for, um, for we've got some, some lovely stuff. You know, we have a very small museum of jam making, wow. Tiffany, which is worth a visit. Yeah. But there's some lovely stories in there about how we've um, yeah, cope through the years, and we we sent some jam to the to the front line during the World War One. And then I know you've had a little visit from the Queen. We did, not yes. Freddie Mercury, anybody like that, but the Queen. Yes, that's yes. right. <laughs> that was in 2010 to celebrate 125 years of jam making. The the Queen came to visit Tiptree, and she was given the the tour around the the, the factory and the farm. We we've got the privilege of having the royal warrant, which is very very special to us. We're we're very honoured to have it. We were actually awarded it back in 1911 by King George V, which is incredible. It's now under yeah Her Majesty the Queen. So so if you get a, a royal warrant, what is that? Do you know what that is? Is, is it? Does it mean that, that the Queen actually gets that out in the morning? A bit of bit of tip three jam. I suspect if she was on this radio show now, she'd be saying, "What did I have this morning?" <laughs> and she'd reel out Literally her list say, of warrants and say, "Well, I've had jam. these six things because that's <laughs> what I'm allowed to eat." <laughs> Do you think that gives you a marketing edge? I suppose it depends on your brand, doesn't it? Because I, if you've got a historic brand, it probably looks. I think it gives a marketing edge in. So, no, I think for the overseas market, yes, certainly it's very it powerful. Does. Yes, and I think if you look at the sort of, I think you know the way that brands like Fortnum's play with this kind of stuff. I think there's lots of opportunity. Um, but look, I think that in the end, we we live in a world where there's, there's I think there are two things going on. There are very established brands that have clearly, you know, we've got the you know, perfect radio show for this. We've got brands that have been around a lot longer than any of us, and then we've got brands that have barely been around ten years who are you know making an impact. And I think there, you know, there are heritage brands that have to mm. remain relevant. And there are new brands on the scene that have to have, have you know, one level an upper hand, another level at a disadvantage. But I think the Royal Warrant is an interesting one. Um, and, and Holly, I know your magazine um, is very much for the sort of deli farm shop, you know, that's that, that the people who are uh, in, in that sort of area. Um, there's, it's a very crowded category. It's really hard to compete mm. in the sort of preserved sector, isn't it? Yeah. And, sure. and having this history, I'm, I'm sure, must help in some respects. I'm sure it does. And it's, like you say, the branding is incredible. It is iconic. And the fact that it has the history, I think, really stands it in good stead. Mm. Um, it's kind of, it's proven, you know, it's proven to be good quality because for those 130 years or whatever it was, you know, 
it's been popular and it hasn't needed to change and evolve. It's, it, you know, it's remained a classic. Um, yeah. And and for me, you put that in a category of something like Marmite or, or, or something like that. And, and you have this real dilemma, don't you, with an established brand? Do we stick with it, not change it? Maybe do little tweaks to the brand over the years or, or do we let it really massively evolve? Um, and for me, there's one decision or the other, because if you try and do something in the middle, I think it's just disastrous, really. And, and you've just really stuck to it. And I presume that's a, yes. a concerted strategic decision. Yes, very consciously made. We, we're very much we're very traditional in many ways. We still do lots of things which people think we're a bit bonkers for, but we, we have done for many years and we, we still stick well, last time But I'm you're also extending the brand beyond the core category, yes. which in some ways is, you know, is, is the radical thing, I think, in some ways, which mm. is, you know, not without risk. Right, yes, yes. So lead us on to that then. Oh, yes. What are you up so, to I... now? And also, can we have some tasting? Because yes. Holly clearly hasn't had any breakfast. I'm of course. <laughs> Please feed me. Oh, right. Well, I've brought some things along with me. So we, yes, have very um, strict criteria for what will match um, the, our brand criteria for, for the categories which we've gone into. It, it made sense. We've gone into uh, the spreads Category. So we've launched Spreads. something called Salted Caramel Spread, which I happen to have a jar of here. That's yeah. just opening nicely. And that looks in the world. beautifully <laughs> caramel colour. We've got a big spoon in there, Holly. Back to the spoon, just described, is about three and a half feet long. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's huge. It's a long spoon for use for, for our ketchup very bottles. Very short jar. Yeah. <laughs> very short jar, exactly. Yeah. Edible spoons, okay. which are biscuit pastry spoons. See that's very clever. So so we've got almost they look like the they don't almost look like they're sort of Chinese little tiny spoons that you get. And uh, are they biscuits? Are they biscuits? They are. They're the biscuits. When I so nice canvas, we spoon use them biscuits. for sampling a there lot you of shows. No so, waste. You, so you're going to get a biscuit there and you're going to put a it's huge wodge of... And what is that, caramel? That's salted caramel spread. So it's using mould and sea salt. Spread. They're just up the road from us mm. right, to work locally. Now, the last time I met Holly, I, I went up to um, to the speciality magazine in Colchester, which is near you, because Holly couldn't be bothered to come and see me, so I had to go and see her. So You were invited. <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah. Anyway, she took me to one of your little um, your little tea shops. Oh yes, which was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So Holly, uh, I think you had uh, you had scones, didn't you? With um, did you? I did. Can't remember. I'm sure, I, did. I always with uh, do with your jam and whatever. Okay. And it was really old fashioned in the right. nicest possible way, and just like really comforting and yes. homely. And, yes. and I guess that's what that's what you're trying to get across. We yes, we've got ten tea rooms now. They're they're all in the Essex area. Mm. Um, they're, they're a mixture of the, the traditional and the, and the modern. Yes, our, our newest one is slightly more modern, but they all yeah. adapt to the character. So, yeah, yes, absolutely. very traditional. Right, go on then, Holly. Am I actually eating this? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm the only one eating this. No, 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 no. Okay, Holly, you take some as well. Scott, you better take some, otherwise Holly's going to be filled a bit. Holly's going to take some. Yeah. So so why why move, while they're all munching away, why move into that area? We Jam and marmalade is our... Our core, we, mm. we always have made those products and we always will, but we, we knew we needed to adapt to, to stay relevant, as it were, and yeah. to, 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 to move into those categories which are very popular. Yeah. Um, so I, the, I guess the other thing you can do is move into the fruit side. Yes. You know, that yes. way, in one direction, or yes. the other one is is, 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 is is sort of move across the sort of spreads. Uh, yes, thing. yes. Yeah. Okay. We, we do supply fresh fruit also. We, we've got a big farm at Tiptree where we, we grow as much fruit as we can. So, yes, we do supply the fresh fruit and we, we use our fruit now in... Another no, way. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to laugh, Liz, but you should see the look <laughs> on Holly's face, which is just um, joy. Closing her eyes, really. Just joy. I haven't eaten in like 15 hours, so this is incredible. 
I mean, it's go. incredible anyway, but it's a very good breakfast. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Ollie? Yeah. Ollie? It's delicious. I mean, do you like it, sweet stuff? I can't remember. I do quite like sweet stuff. Um, I mean, it's interesting, the whole... I mean, without putting a downer on this conversation, obviously, <laughs> you know, there is, there is the world of sugar that is becoming yes. increasingly complicated. What are you guys doing to sort of, I suppose, deal with the sort of the sugar conversation? Can you just put that in context, Ollie, before so, Liz answers? Because your, your research is astounding yeah, the, this year, I think. So the number of people who are actively avoiding sugar, we're about to do further research into understanding what does it mean actively avoiding sugar. And, you know, essentially, you know, it's the same thing we've got, we've got in the world of, of meat eating. People are saying they're trying to sure. reduce meat consumption and there are now concerns about the level of sugar in things. And I think that's a lot about processing. It's about over sugars. It's about hidden sugars there's lots of you know and, and i you know you're you're within you know a space which is clearly as you said earlier heavily dependent upon yes sugar yes i mean sure. how are you guys addressing that and do, is that is that kind of an existential threat to the category or is there is there a route through Sure. Our, our products, the, the jams and the marmalades, need a lot of sugar to preserve. So um, That they, is the product. If you're making yes, fudge, we, it's we, a sugar product. If you're yes, making jam, it's a sugar yes. product. <laughs> we, we do offer a reduced sugar jam. So yep. we, we launched, we had previously a, a fruit spread, which people didn't necessarily understand it used fruit sugars. But now we've changed it to our reduced sugar, which has 40% less sugar. So we offer that as an alternative. But actually we've found that mostly people just, they, we, we always recommend that they speak to their... Um, the doctor or the dietitian to, um, but they we found that they we recommend they eat it in moderation. So our products are not designed to be consumed as one, as with a soft drink or something. So we yep. we're, we're very transparent with what's in it, mm. and we we recommend people have it with moderate. It, with but is, is the category is 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 jam consumption static, flat, growing? Yes, it's it's quite flat. Jam, jam and marmalade, very traditional, particularly marmalade. We had the Paddington effect, I guess, where marmalade was um, slightly more popular. But we're we're finding that these these spreads are gaining more more space within within retail. Don't you think the sugar thing though is about hidden sugars or sugars where they're absolutely not necessary, or you're eating something you don't realise there's sugar in it, as opposed to I know jam's got sugar in it. And therefore, yeah, I probably won't have it that often, but it's a real treat, and I know I know what I'm getting. It's, isn't isn't some of this stuff about hidden sugars? Do you think that's one of the things we're literally about to dig into? Which is, I think there's there's you know there's clearly the top line trend, which is you know I mean the main message is sugar equals bad. I mean there's there's that sort of very simplistic thing, and I think clearly where people are playing is is absolutely as you say is hidden sugars, but then there are certain categories that are having to evolve and, and play and you know I know we're seeing um cost and press in a few weeks and I know that they've obviously done a lot as a fever tree to reduce sugars within some of their drinks and stuff so I'm, I'm just interested in you know you've got one of those challenges which is you can't you can't exist oh, without either, sugar. Yeah. Sure. and in some ways like like sweets like cakes you know and I, I certainly think where foodies are concerned they are in control of their diet and therefore they're okay with it but I'm just interested in how how you're playing and, and evolving because of that stuff we yes, just carrying on as as we were. We're we're very traditional that we don't use artificial yeah. um, sweeteners um, or yeah anything. So yes, we 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 we're as transparent as we can be on yeah. the the labelling, um, and yes, just hope that that people understand that we do need sugar to preserve. So mm. they're they're designed to be yeah used within. Moderation. Um, and what else have you got there hiding? Well, that's very different from the caramel. Like now, what I found um, is that the salted caramel had a real milkiness to it. I, I felt, um, yeah, it was sweet, but not too sweet. Very, very caramelly. It would be, wouldn't it? I suppose. Yeah, kind of buttery. I guess. Buttery. That's satisfying. Not just not mm. saccharine sweet. Just there's mm. a lot 
of depth to it. It's delicious. It tastes like a home. I mean, if you made if you've made a homemade so. kind of yeah. one for for you know for proper baking. Oh, great! You that's know, a, that's a compliment. Yes, no, we definitely. we like to make things in in small batches, and we yeah like to like to always say that homemade is is great, but we like to think we're next. Best for me, one. this is one of the lemon. Now though. this is I one of my favourites of all time. Do you know, you, and I keep forgetting to buy it. You mentioned earlier that you had passion fruit curd. Is that is that yes. one that you guys make? Oh, yes, it is. I think it's great. Yeah, it's lovely. It's yes, good. very tropical. Holly put a big wadge on my. I, I say edible to me, spoon. Thank you. This is one of those things that. And this, I think, is one of the interesting things about jams and curds is that you can make curd from scratch quite oh, easily. That. Right. Um, but actually, it's one of those things Boy. you make occasionally. Mm. But actually, therefore, do you, you make don't... it? Yeah, I do, actually. Great. This, this just, I don't know why, it just reminds me of my childhood somehow. Yes. It takes me why. back to being five years old, lemon curd. I don't even think my mum bought it ever. But no, but it, no, it was those tarts. It was those, tar it was those lemon tarts they used to That's do. That's it. That's where it's from. That was... Um, mm. I mean, I think it's one of the greatest. I mean, I, and again, I think this is another product that is is like homemade. I mean, actually, I'd say right. yours is a hell of a lot smoother than mine, even though I'm. Have some to... of that. It's like got a really nice tang. Yes. Holly, thoughts on that one? Oh, it's got a mouthful. You see, it's not used to being on the radio because we just talk through having a mouthful. Yeah. You're too well bought up, actually, aren't you? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, Scott, have a try. I've tried. It's, it's delightful. It's amazing. It's a forgot. It's a forgotten love, isn't it, Lemon Kid? It just seems to get left there. But it's awesome. It is delicious. Um, my comments are that just looking on the label on the back, the reason why it tastes homemade is because there aren't sweeteners in there. You know, it's just the real deal. So, I mean, you could use this list of ingredients, make it at home yourself. Obviously, you wouldn't do it as well as Tiptree do it. But it's just, it's, it's real. It's, you know, it's the proper stuff. Mm. But I think that's the joy. I mean, that you know, look, there's a lot of jam. You know, jam making is one of those things that people do at home, like pickling, yes. like bread making. These are all good things. But I, I actually think that those things are actually your friend in the sense that, exactly as you say, if you understand what goes into lemon curd, it's egg white, egg yolks. You know, it's a bit of lemon, it's a bit of sugar. You know, it's a bit a lot of butter. You kind of sure. get it, and then when you look on the side of the pack, and that's all it contains, you go, mm. okay, this is like a homemade one, but I don't have to spend. They're more likely yes. to buy into a category of top level prices. So they know what goes into it and what the taste is like and what mm. a good lemon curd is like if you make your own, to be fair. Now, this moves us rather nicely on uh, to Scott because we're talking we're talk about honey now, which is not far off this category, really. Well, it's full of sugar, isn't it? It's full of sugar, yeah. <laughs> now, you, you founded Hilltop Honey in 2011 when you started beekeeping as a hobby. Yeah, so a uh, very quick snapshot of the story. Um, I really uh, suffered a bad back injury. I was a coal yard worker and I failed school miserably. So I tried getting an office job and no one would hire me because I had no GCSEs. So, um, my Were you naughty at school? Pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot to do in mid Wales, so it was, uh, it was good fun just to <laughs> muck around. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, from there, really, I was, I was left with, a, with no real option because my, my, my physio, whatever you want to call him, said that, you, you know, manual labour days are over for a, quite a, a number of years. So try and do something non-manual labour, and that's all I knew. So um, once I got my recovery, my mum and dad bought a beehive, which is because I was reading about bees in the winter, and I started keeping bees at the age of 23 in this back garden. And um, I just fell in love with these bees. Like, how... I thought, how is no one really talking about these? You know, it was before this bit of an uptrend in beekeeping and everything. 
And um, so, can, can I just stop you for a second? How do you leap from bad boy in Wales to yeah, reading magazines about beekeeping? I mean, you know, well, like, my, my dad's got a small sheep farm, right. and uh, so I just grew up on the farm and love being outdoors. And I've been in a factory for a number of years in this coal in this coal yard, and I I knew if I wanted to go and do something, I'd want to be doing it outside. And I knew I didn't have any money behind me, so I couldn't. The farm was too small to take me on, and everything like that. So I was looking for things to do outside that I could potentially make money from. Um, it, so I started looking at the bees and thinking no one's really talking about these, uh, marked them well enough. So on a local level anyway, I looked at all these um, jars of honey and it was very, very boring label. Very, a lot of people was going into retirement and then start to keep bees. So it was just a bit of an ad hoc little thing on the side. So I thought hey, some young blood can come into this and push it and make a thing of it people might get interested in bees and I'll just educate the consumer on beekeeping and uh, how good honey is. Just like we are talking about lemon curd before, the more people that keep bees, they understand how hard it is to keep bees, how hard it is to produce honey. So they buy into the market and really understand the benefits of honey. Mm. And and uh, honey is, is, is very much like wine in a way, isn't it? It has lots and lots of different flavours. Yeah, it is. It's, and, 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 and almost it depends on what flowers... The bees have been into. Well, that's so all it depends on. Lavender, you know, you might get a bit of a bit of that coming through. Yeah, um, it, it can be incredibly diverse. It's massively diverse. Like we we're just talking about the farm shop and delis before, and how hard that is for a brand to to break that mold, really, because everybody on the local level is producing honey, and once you get out of local mid Wales, I'm the enemy in in Cheshire, shall we say? So, um, <laughs> but lo and behold, the honey's just as good, you know, and it's trying to tell people that. From different counties, honey tastes different. You know, different apiaries we we have in Mid Wales taste different. So the the taste is massively different just in the UK. Never mind different continents and different countries. That that's a really good point, isn't it, Holly? If you if you if you are a, a farm shop or a deli, you're trying to represent your local community in a way, um, and therefore you're trying to have as many local products as you can. Um, when Scott's expanding, that's actually a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? Because suddenly, as you say, you're you're not the local guy, um, and yet your stuff is you know is really good. It's something it's something that I really like. Um, uh, it's a bit of a dilemma for a producer and for a deli, actually. <laughs> well, I suppose, I mean, delis and farm shops, they do support their local, you know, food community. Um, they'll always, you know, hopefully give a spot to local producers. But equally, they sell food from producers from further afield as well. And I think the most important thing is that those products have a story. You know, they could be selling... Harissa from Tunisia, but, you know, as long as it's really good stuff and there's a story behind it, it's fine. As long um, as it's produced in Tunisia and you can't produce it in the UK, the problem I find with we're trying to build a honey brand in the UK, and obviously we could only go to the farm shop and deli level when, when I first started. Um, like I said, we, we come out of the local area and then all of a sudden we no one wanted to know us. And I was saying, why? Our honey tastes just as good. And they're like, well, we've got Cheshire honey, we've got Gloucestershire honey, we've got Yorkshire honey. So what I find with the farms in Delhi, especially on a honey level anyway, it puts a market cap on a company, basically. There is nowhere for them to go outside of that. So if anybody was starting a brand now, I would say don't try and market just to your local area because although it's great and it's a great platform for a brand to launch off, um, 
Uh, we always find that farm shops and delis want you to be a certain level and never really grow out of that. And in food, you need the volume to actually make a living from. There's plenty of hobby brands out there. And yeah. there are lots, you know, I think if you look at some of the really interesting kind of, you know, quite big brands, you know, we've yeah. had people like um, Brindisa on before, you mm. know, who are actually are, you know, they have their own shops, they are producing for people like M&S, they are selling also to, to, to major retailers, they have their own brand. You know, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a tension between a desire to have well-known brands and and to be local. I think the, the challenge ultimately is, is that local per se is not a benefit in itself unless there's, there's a quality there. And ultimately, in order to create scalability and actually build you know, the economy, you need businesses that are thriving and actually can go beyond the UK yeah. and export and all the rest of it. Mm. So there is a tension in this, isn't there? But the, yeah, the reason it. why I buy Hilltop Honey is is to do with the label, actually. Scott. Okay. Because when I go into, I mean, I try not to go into supermarkets too often because they just annoy me and they're, they're getting too big as well. I haven't got the time. <laughs> um, but, but the reason why I like it is you get all the old brands that, that I'm not convinced to doing things in the way that I probably mm-hmm. like um, and then you have got some occasionally some very very localized ones but for me you're you're in the middle now that might be a, a dilemma for you in some <laughs> respects but for me it's great it's like right well it's a bit like Pippa Nut actually I know these are good guys I know what mm-hmm. they're doing they're very authentic I know that they're going to be in my supermarket every week because they've got a bit of, you know, sort of robustness behind them. They've been going for a while. Um, And for me, you you crack that really nicely. And your label is very relaxed and friendly and not corporate, I think. (laughs) Yeah, and and (laughs) And you're you're in a massively commoditized category. Yeah. You know, if one's honest, you know, actually, honey is incredibly commoditized in the same way that, you know, I bet retailers are bigger in the world of jam than, than you guys are. Um, and therefore the challenge for brands like yours is to actually carve out a story that people understand. And I, and I think actually brand awareness, yeah. actually people knowing the brand and actually getting beyond it, mm. sort of, I sort of vaguely just know it and actually I can actually name it, mm. I think is one of the challenges that, you know, all these brands... Uh, what's make. the research on honey? Is, is, is that fairly static? Is it, is growth it just... about 4%, incremental yeah. growth about 4%, even though this war on sugar is happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm more and more I'm going into coffee shops and people are saying, can I have... Honey instead yeah, of... Uh, but I think that's also actually. alternative uses. I think what's, yeah. what's, what's been really interesting about honey is it's moved beyond toast. Mm. Yeah. And in the end, it's a little bit like, you know, if you, you know, well, the easiest way to grow in some ways is if you can adopt a new usage occasion and you're suddenly into cooking. I mean, you know, what's great is with a piece of toast, apart from my daughter's using it, you're meant to use a small amount. Um, when you're cooking, you use huge quantity of stuff which well is it's, awesome. it's what's why jam um, those selective tips you're talking about it's just like it's flat is because it, they're finding it hard to break out of um, alternative uses toast, basically yeah. yeah and that's where honey is gained because it's gone into so many different things mm. um, and yeah it's just a blessing for honey really and also I think that I, I think there's a kind of um, I think the world of bread is also particularly yeah. problematic yeah in the sense that most bread you purchase from a supermarket is Probably better use. Bread is in isn't it? It's, it's basically cardboard. Yeah. And so actually, I think, you know, where the opportunity actually is in homemade bread, and, and again, that's sort of... Yeah, yogurt, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can we have a taste, please? Yes, of course. Explain yeah. to me... Um, you have I've a really long spoon. <laughs> yeah, I don't have... You've got some spoons there actually. Explain to me what Manuka honey is. Why is that so expensive? Why is it such a different thing? Because you've got a flight from New Zealand to start with. Is it just from New Zealand? Yeah, well, no, actually, interestingly, Australia just won a lawsuit suit um, against New Zealand for the right to call Australian 
honey manuka honey okay. and it's from the manuka uh, plant it's a yeah it's a, that must have gone down well yeah i don't think it did <laughs> so is, is wales next on the list to uh, uh, i think there is a producer somewhere in in uh in england actually is trying to produce manuka honey but what i can gather is that it's all to do with the strength of the antibacterial properties in manuka and it's all dictated by the, the way the roots are in the ground of this uh, of this plant so I think it might be very hard to replicate in a different country. Okay, so it's it's just it's just a very rare thing that does, yeah, has it got a particular taste profile, Scott? Yeah, it's very strong and it's delightful. To be honest, um, I, uh, I I really like it. It's, it reminds me more medicinal. Um, so you actually so that so your manuka honey you import from New Zealand directly from New Zealand, yeah. So and based on your specification and your yeah yeah yeah. So it's it's you see I really don't like that. No, it's a strong. It's like wine again, isn't it? So strong. So like we was oh, wow. the same when it's like wine. So if you see a lighter honey, it's right at the back of the throat. Yeah. So if mm. you see a really light see-through honey, it's very light and sweet, not much flavour to it. Where you get the real dark, strong honeys, and there's a, a so lot like more flavour. I call that like the whiskey of the honey world, and then like acacia honey, which is see-through, mm. is like a lager. That is, I think that's delicious. Do you think? Yeah, but so? I'm, 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 you know, <laughs> it's spent very, too it's long in Asia. I mean, it's like rainy, big. It just hits you. It's too, too sweet for me, I think. Whereas we've we've just tasted the sort of um, Spanish lavender, lavender honey, yeah. honey. And yeah. that for me is really like, I can actually get a lot of taste out of that, actually, funny enough. Um, that's just hit. Smell, smell that one. That's a fair trade organic honey we've just recently launched. And this is a new development for you? Yeah, yeah. So we've, uh, we're working with fair trade beekeepers in, in Mexico at the moment. So we've seen no love for fair trade at all in any of the supermarkets, which was quite frightening. I think so. I think uh, the cooperative group are the only ones that have a fair trade honey, which I just couldn't believe, to be honest. So um, we've managed to link up with Tesco and launch the fair trade organic honey, which has gone down really, really well. See, I really like that as well, yeah, but that's nice. very, very it's different from the, from the lavender one. But I think that's the whole fair trade. Essentially, we did some research recently about what drives a purchase, mm. you know, what are the key drivers of purchase. And actually, when you get into the premium end of the food market, it's about taste and quality. Yep. And if it's t if it tastes good and it's quality, there is sort of a, an inbuilt consumer assumption yep. that you're treating farmers or producers fairly. And I actually think that, interestingly, while it could have been the case that fair trade was a real discriminator, actually, it has not ended up being. And neither no. the Soil Association today. They're not, mm. they're not major we, drivers of the We purchase. use both of those organisations. And where you said yes, the key point you said there already is, though, when people taste it, well, how do you get them to pick it off the shelf and then taste yeah. it is the key. And that is, the I think, a driving factor for that. It's because people think, hang on a minute, this company's really thought about it. They're trading with beekeepers, obviously, I assuming that everything's produced. And there's a lot of assumption behind these mm. soil association and fair trade, which which helps us. And I think oh, in the world of social media now and on trend with fake news, a lot of brands can say a lot of things without anyone policing it, really. You know, they can mm. say whatever they like. So to have an organisation where people have some form of trust in helps the brand. Mm, um, you need to be authentic. But the difficulty is, and I think we saw it you know, incredibly successfully with Red Tractor recently, who've done a fantastic job of, um, of some of their members not behaving properly and therefore destroying a mark, essentially, yeah. um, you know, incredibly successfully, is that I think where brands are concerned, you, you, while you can place faith yeah. in people like the Soil Association or Fair Trade, it's down to you guys you know, because actually these are these are third-party marks you don't own. You know that, yeah. that might be useful, but truth be told, it's like the war, royal warrant. You've got to you know you've got to stand for yourself. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. And they, they can be useful enablers to opportunities, yeah. but they're borrowed. Liz, <laughs> do, you, do you like the manuka honey? You're, you're, I you're do, used I to do. tasting. Do you taste yes. jam all day? 
Not all day. No, uh, gin. She takes a break between. Gin, however, yes, we, yes, no, we, we, yes, we do taste stuff, but not all day. Mm. Well, you've um, moved into the world of spirits, haven't you? We have. Yes, yeah. I've got some more things we can try. Is that what that are? I thought they realize... were jams. Oh no, wow! There's gin opportunities. Wow. Fruit gin. They're using the the fruits that we grow on the farm. Mm. I'll, I'll talk about that in a, in, a, in a in a tick. There's so a Scott, booze you, opportunity you, soon. Yeah, great. So Scott, you've, what have you got there with you then? Well, is this a little bit of a brand extension? Talking about yeah, brand extension, Nathan. So. What we do a lot of work with European beekeepers, and we see a lot of different uh, trends from beekeeping out there. And in the UK, we're, we've we've only scratched the surface really of what bees can really do. So you have like things like propolis, royal jelly, um, bee pollen, bee bread, um, all these different things that make bee water. We're getting well, yeah, we're honey, honey water, and yeah. everything. So um, bee pollen is actually. Um, been advocated by celebrities and things like that about the way they use it for diets and things like that. It's really high in protein, so it's uh, over 20% protein as well. And basically, people swear by it for all sorts of vitamins and minerals, and it helps a lot of people out with certain immune systems and everything like that. So it's way out there in taste. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, you don't buy it for taste. Um, so you're looking at me just because I'm, I'm yeah. frowning at the manipulator. Yeah. You think I can't cope with this? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, no, no, I'm saying that not many people like it. It's very much for... Um, so this is this is the moment. <laughs> you could have some with some seed lip if you So like. here oh, you go. You, I, I would oh, suggest maybe putting a little bit of honey on a spoon and then pouring some so people it's, along it's to it. It's bee pollen. So it looks, yeah. like, it looks like little grains of... Um, it's like quinoa or something. Yeah, a little bit, but, yeah, but it's hard. That's how bees collect pollen off flowers. So, so what is this actually then? It, it, it's, it's just pollen it's off a flower. Just a pollen, but so bees you dry pollen, it? Or? Um, yeah, you used to freeze dry it and then pack it, basically. So they have um, pollen sacks on the back of their legs, and when they're gaining nectar... They put pollen onto the back of their legs. <laughs> that actually is probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever tasted. I thought you put it some honey is, first. It's fine which to is, start, but it finishes really badly. Which is, which is why what I, lo- what I love is with the celebrities oh. swear by it. Whenever celebrities swear by things, it normally means that... It tastes it's like terrible. manure smells. It tastes like manure smells. Mm. Mm. It's got the most horrible aftertaste I have ever had, ever, on anything. I did tell you it didn't taste very nice. Yeah, well, good luck with with marketing <laughs> that, Scott. Uh, you see, we've actually got a really big launch plan for it, so it's gone down quite well. So That's far. it, good. Yeah, well, yeah. If you're into fitness yeah. and health, do run along for that. <laughs> Keep me you out of it. Mix it with honey in it. It's a lot different. See, I, I'm no, not really you know into... I think it tastes like... Sorry. sorry. It tastes like artichoke. No, no. There's got that... The, when the, the sort of the... Um, the the um, the You know, the choke of an artichoke, yeah. which is not a nice taste. Ah, oh, okay. It's um, it's got, it's it's artichoke. Do you know what I mean? Holly, um, just to get some positivity in the room, um, <laughs> I am a bee pollen customer. Oh, awesome! I oh, like God. it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Sue, um, but I. I don't know, put it on smoothies and yeah. granola and things yeah. like that. And I think it's, it's just, fine if you disguise it and yeah, put it with something. It's incorporating but, yeah. it into other things. <laughs> if you, if you want to just get a teaspoon yeah. and eat that, it's, good luck. It's I, actually I uh, prescribed as a medicine in Germany. They actually have it on their health service in, Ger- health service in Germany that it's oh, actually good. prescribed. So it has got some seriously good things going on. Please, God, it. don't let there be anything wrong with me where they prescribe that. Sue, <laughs> <laughs> so your special Christmas opportunity is to eat a spoonful of this every morning by itself. Lovely. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass on to Liz because I, I, I miss the fact that you, you've, you've moved your, your jams, you know, or your, your fruit rather, into uh, alcohol. And I really need to finish the programme by destroying <laughs> what I've just <laughs> eaten on my toast. So, so what's got the strongest taste out of those four there, Liz? Because I need to just wash <laughs> away this taste. The raspberry. I would say the raspberry, raspberry. is very punchy. 
They're punchy. Okay, so I've got some plastic cups. There we yeah. go. So um, do these come in bigger bottles? They do. Things? Yes, they're, they're usually thirty-five yeah. cl, but I've bought the minis along so with. So I'm just yeah. about to have. I'm just making sure because it will be a key question for Sue, which is. Oh yes. Is, oh, could I, can I raspberry? So just so you got the picture, Sue's now pouring a very large glass and she's downing it. And that's she a looks gin liqueur. Much, much, much happier. Oh, that's a much better <laughs> waiter <laughs> in the program. Suddenly the day is better. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I don't Would you like some bee pollen with that? No, I don't. I absolutely do not. I'm, I'm not saying the product's not good and all that sort of stuff. It just, you just, if, if you're going to have it for health benefits, you just, for my mind, just need to make sure you shove it in with something else. That's my top tip for today. Definitely. I like it, yeah. <laughs> mm. Do you want a quick try? This I'd love need to end the programme. Running, 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 running out of time. We're certainly running out of time. Would you like rhubarb, raspberry, strawberry, or damson? I'm going to go with the same one Sue had. Oh, perfect. Then you don't need to open another bottle. Perfect. Yeah, good. Um, and and where are you going to sell these? Presumably in all the outlets that you're you're already selling your jam. I'm guessing. Yes, there's, we, we've started locally. There, sold in our tip tree shops and and tea rooms. And yes, locally. Watch the space. Mm, very good. I think they're excellent with bee pollen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really like this space. Actually, you know, we, obviously we, we've spoken to a lot of alcohol producers over the years. We, we try and get them in because it's quite, quite fun. Um, but I really like sort of you know, the pre-mixed drink. Really mm. nice. I mean, my, my only concern with that is obviously it's, it's incredibly crowded at the moment. But I think the difference with this is you've already got your outlets. People already recognise your brand. It's it's a little step, isn't it, of, of, of something that people recognise already. And with your tea shops and all sorts of other things, it's, it's, it's you know, why wouldn't you do it, really? Sure, yes. Mm. And the, yes, it's, it's a link to the fruit. Absolutely. Is this a licensing deal or is this you guys are doing this? No, we, we pick the fruit and we send it up the road to Heyman, who are a local gin distillery. And so we do the fruit bit, they do the gin bit. So it's a. We do the drinking bit. Yeah. What a yes. perfect one. <laughs> there you go. So, um, sorry we've run out of time. Um, thank you so much, Scott Davis of Hilltop Honey. You're doing so incredibly well thank in you. such a short space of time. And, and just it just shows, you know, if you, you just take the initiative and, and really plough on, then uh, so I think you're doing really well. If you want to know about Hilltop Honey, it's hilltop-honey.com. Um, and if you want to get healthy and... I'll, have... leave, I'll leave this bee pollen with you, is it? Yeah, yeah. thanks. We <laughs> might Scott... on honey on taste yeah <laughs> um but interesting i think you, what you're trying to do is create a market for bee products um, and, yeah. and and um you know well done to you um and again thank you to liz baker of tip tree wilkin and sons um tiptree.com um lovely lovely fruit um which for me the jams are a bit of a standard really wherever you go especially you go to a hotel and you think oh yeah Awesome. You're going to nice hotels, aren't you? I do, yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> You're not getting those little plastic um, rubbish things. And and no, and very very uh, pleased to, to to be tasting your your new gins. Yes, good indeed. Very right. good indeed. Um, Holly Shackleton, thank you for joining us from Speciality Food Magazine. Any um, quick top tips in your world of of delis and farm shops and people supplying? Goodness me. Uh... Tunisia, yes, actually. So before I was here, the reason why I didn't have any breakfast is because uh, I was exploring the culinary world of Tunisia. Mm. And that's my top tip. So I will be having harissa, couscous, dates... So when I finally eat a square meal today, it will be, be Tunisian. Tunisian, excellent. And I remember I, I worked out there for uh, decades ago and I remember going to a restaurant and they did bricoleuf, which I didn't even know what the hell that was. And it was pastry and inside it, when you cut it, this beautifully cooked egg just oozed out. And I, n- I never even heard of that before. And so, so my memory of Tunisia is, is from very good food, actually. Oh, very amazing. Food. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also where Star Wars was made. Was it? Mm. Oh, in the on desert all the, on all bits. The deserts, yeah. Okay. Jolly good. Oh, wow. Jolly well, good. The early Star Wars, I should say. 
So moving on from Very that. Very early Star Wars. <laughs> can't shut this lot up, so I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to shut the programme down. Uh, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show, which is syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd, a great British chefs. Still a good category, I think. Honeys, jams, Definitely. spreads... They're not going away. Still right for innovation. Um, and uh, if you know anybody who's doing something as interesting as Liz and Scott, please get in touch with us and uh, you can do that via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. If you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk or via the wonderful Great British Chefs website. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.